Howdy, partner, and welcome to Tom Hanks Giving. I'm your host, Elvis Kunish, and today we're talking about the 2007 film by Mike Nichols and Aaron Sorkin, uh, that is director, then writer, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Wilson's War. Chuck Wilson. Yes. Uh, and my guest today is the wonderful... Oh, Elvis. Garrett Warner. Good to be here. I was very excited to be asked to be on this. I uh, Well, we're very excited to have you. I've been wanting to be on it since, for, for months, right? For <laughs> Probably since, for many months I've been excited, nervously checking my email every morning <laughs> to see if that today's the day that I get invited to be on here. And now, this this is not disappoint. Before we dive into Charlie Wilson's War, uh-huh. uh, what... What made you choose this movie? Because both of us, this is we just watched it uh-huh. right before we started recording. First time either of us had seen it. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so I was presented a list of the movies that are left of Tom Hanks, which is still quite a few. There's a lot. And uh-huh. that's I didn't even show you any of his like, TV work, which right. we might dive into. <laughs> I, I mean, there's quite a few movies left, and all of them are pretty good. Like, yeah. There really aren't a lot of stinkers in Tom Hanks's IMDb page. There's a few, but compared to the number he's done. Sure, yeah. With, yeah. with that prolific of an actor, you'd think there would be a lot more. Like, you look at Nicolas Cage's role, which is, of course, <laughs> yeah. known for that, but I mean, any actor, I think you're going to see... M- probably more, more bad than good. Yeah, more dips, absolutely, and like a couple movies that make you feel but not for Tom Hanks. Anyway, so yeah, I narrowed it down to... I was also ashamed to see that I hadn't seen a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just, for some reason, had this very vivid memory of seeing the preview for Charlie Wilson's War and it featuring Tom Hanks in a hot tub, yet him being a congressman, <laughs> and that being just the most fascinating dynamic to what who was, I guess I was in a freshman in college when mm-hmm. um, I would have seen the preview, either but- freshman or sophomore. That's that's shocking because I actually had zero recollection of what this movie actually was. <laughs> I don't remember a single preview. I don't remember anything like anyone ever mentioning it in my entire life. When you saw this on his IMDb page, were you nervous that nobody would ever want to watch this movie with you because it was an unheard of film? Uh, no, I knew someone would want to okay, watch good. it. I, I have I have faith in Hanks, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, for some reason this was a complete blind spot to me. And if I had known that. Uh, Hanks was in a hot tub in this movie. This uh-huh. probably would have been our first episode. It's, I mean, it, it opens up pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, do you want to run through? Let's let's make a quick summary of the movie. Yeah, well, I want to say that the very first shot, even before we ever see Tom Hanks, yeah, is a um, I presume Afghani man in silhouette during a setting sun. <laughs> it appears to be praying, and then just picks up a rocket launcher <laughs> and fires it straight at the camera, yeah. and the title comes out. And then- and it looks up. like a, like a Final Cut Pro 4 titles. Yeah, it's not even centered, like, no. top to bottom on the screen for some reason. It's, it's like, slightly top high. Top one-third Charlie Wilson's War. Like, there was more text about to appear below it. Yeah, Charlie Wilson's War, the Dark Ages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It, it had room for subtitle. Uh, yeah, that was a very striking opening. What? I don't understand, like, because the very next scene... It's like they're like, okay, in the test footage, like, people are, are napping. They're falling asleep after this first scene. We need to wake them up immediately. <laughs> yeah. Like, rocket blast to their face. 
But the first scene is just a bunch of topless women in a hot tub. Well, well that's not true, because the first scene is... True. The okay, framing device. Yes. Which does kind of seem like, oh, maybe people were falling asleep. And though, even though you get a glimmer of the entire extended cast... Yes. At least all the Americans in the cast. Yes. Um, true. <laughs> Uh, President Zia doesn't show up for his award. Um, That's a good point. I forgot. I almost forgot about the framing device. Uh, which uh, is interesting. Um, just, just to go back to that opening shot for a second, though. The I'm, I'm only now realizing that we're by the rocket launcher basically being shot in our face. Uh-huh. We're the Russians in that. Well, okay. Based on the lesson at the end of the movie. We oh, may be just Americans. Right. Okay, and that would make sense because he ties, He, I mean, definitely hits that ending home. Yeah. So, so may, who knows? It's sort of like, you could take it that way. It's a wake-up call. It's like, hey, why is this happening? Right. Here's the story. <laughs> uh-huh. That could be it. Or it's ah. just like, here are these people you're supposed to sympathize with. Right off the bat, you're just like going to be confused immediately. Like, just like, this people that you're going to be trying to help throughout this film... They're good. The first time you see one, he tries to blow you up with a rocket. Based on the, <laughs> based on the caliber of the people working on this film, I feel like they're asking tough questions. Yes, yes they are. They're really the audience. cutting to the core of the American cinema-going uh, audience, as I doubt this had a lot of international gross box office. Yes, this is definitely a, a hometown film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, we start off with this uh, this scene where Charlie Wilson has a, a public citizen. Mm-hmm. He's not an army dude. He's giving some. He's been giving being given an honor by the clandestine services. I don't know in some airport hangar. It's, oh, it yeah. seemed like a lot of people to be <laughs> being presented award from the clandestine services, which is supposed to be pretty secret, pretty, like, hush-hush. It sounds very Illuminati. But it seemed like there was, like, 500 of Charlie Wilson's closest <laughs> yes. friends in attendance. But so, so he's winning this award, and it's it's obviously, it's, it, it, it becomes a framing device, so we flash back from there. So we know he accomplishes it, so I guess... It's a silly, it seems pointless, right? Because it's not like we, watching this movie in 2007 or 2016... We are now. It's not like we're muddied as to, like, if the Soviets took over Afghanistan. <laughs> well, it's also, I mean, it also shows, that demonstrates, like, you know, this was a, a real person. This sort of really happened. That's uh, a good point. Especially, but... So it's, like, uh, not necessarily a spoiler because it's real life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems to me, whenever you use a framing device like that, at least when you use it intentionally... Uh, you're doing it as a, this is a story of how we got here. Yeah. And if you kind of tie in the whole, how do we end up getting shot in the face by yeah. people we help? <laughs> it kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, so instead of that, and then, uh, as uh, you were saying, when we, the first scene we get into when we launch it in the mm-hmm. flashback, hot tub. We're in a Las Vegas, um, I guess, brothel? Or, I don't know what it was. It was, it was like a restaurant that had... A, it was it was definitely a bar-ish... I thought there were tables, but in the background... Yeah, it was definitely a bar, I, and there was just a hot tub there. Was it the only hot tub? I, I feel like there was two. Oh, was there two, another hot tub? I, I could I could be pi- just filling that in, mm-hmm. but it seems like it was a multiple hot tub kind of location. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's <laughs> seems, the draw. It seems seedy enough for that. If the first hot tub's full, don't worry, we've got yeah. the overflow tub. And we got some, some full, not full-on nudity, but it, a lot of nudity for Ooh. a Tom Hanks film. A lot of topless women. Two top or three, three topless women. At least two and a half. Two that you really... 
I know this is how we count. You saw the nips. Yeah. And that, there were two women there. And then also some Tom Hanks butt. Yeah, you got the full Hanks ass. That is a that is a bonus. Because uh, I think the most naked we see him besides this is uh, in Splash when we got the young Hanks covering uh, up the genitals. Yeah, that's definitely young. That This is no young Hanks, though. <laughs> this is 2007 Hanks. He this looks is- young for his age. He does, yeah, yeah, this is kind of before he hit that very older Hanks period. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right in between the cusp, kind of like still had a little bit of that Saving Private Ryan youthful look to him. Yes, he has very dark black hair. I think the hair helps yeah. make him uh, look a little younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, which the hair, we found out while we were watching it, is based on the, the actual Charlie Wilson. Actually Charlie Wilson, we looked him up. Look uh, kind of uh, like him, kind of a dead ringer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously this is R. I didn't need to grab the DVD box. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah. Um, Do you think this was the unrated version of Charlie <laughs> Wilson's War? There's a lot of nipples. Yeah. Uh, you got some great Hanks nipples, too. Like, the kind of Captain mm-hmm. Phillips nipples you get. Yep. <laughs> um, at that bathtub scene later in Julia, with Julia Roberts. But, uh, so he's, he's in this kind of skeevy scene, and we, we meet maybe the most skeevy Hanks since, uh, Bachelor Party. <laughs> and uh, except he's redeemable because in this first scene he sees the the television and Dan Rather is reporting in Afghanistan. Yeah, these are the things we learn about Charlie Wilson right off the bat. One, he loves fun, and two, he loves news. He loves like just watching the news and then reading the news and like, getting it early. Getting the news early, like he once he leaves Las Vegas, he goes back to DC and is like reading these tickers full of. <laughs> And there's these a couple lines with his secretary, Amy Adams, where he's just like, I love the news. <laughs> he just yeah, says, I, I bet Charlie Wilson uh, would love him some Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Charlie Wilson would be so active on Twitter. <laughs> he'd be, on, on both regards, he'd be having fun and he'd be checking his news, getting it up to date, being informed. Is is very pro woman. He hires. He has a team an entire staff of about a dozen women <laughs> yes. that collectively he calls jailbait. <laughs> what well, it was the team's name, right? It wasn't. I, it seems like a, it was a single team. person, yeah, including okay. Amy Adams. Amy who is, Adams, his sort of right hand woman, his who's chief delightful. Aide. She's she's incredible. It seems to be the only woman. He has a somewhat platonic relationship. Although with. he does go for the the whole smooch there at the very. He gives her a kiss on the cheek. That seemed like the only like celebratory one. There's a, a it's, like, it's true. It was a little bit of a dip. So, but that seems like that kind of guy would yeah. still do that even in a platonic kiss. If this is, if the jailbait team is based in fact, which I have no reason to believe <laughs> it was not, I have no doubt that Charlie Wilson had sex with his <laughs> Amy, Amy Adams. There's like. And it was just like, okay, well, we need to make this guy look a little redeemable. Let's show one woman that he doesn't have sex with. Yeah, and we'll make her very bookish librarian. Amy yeah. Adams is perfect. But you... still, even like, there's a scene where she's walking down the hallway, and we could, we don't, we can take it from anywhere. But we start at Amy Adams' uh, stilettos. Yes. Pan up to her ass, and we hold frame there for a little bit. And you think that's maybe going to be the end of the shot, but it's not. And, and then we, we like keep, keep going. going up. It was just like checking in. Just a little hiccup in the moment. It's like, uh-huh. yeah, it's like we had gone the whole movie without sexualizing it, really. Uh-huh. And the shot as it is going up the back of the character, totally fine. But yeah, that, that pause in the middle was And like we don't even palpable. need to see Amy Adams walking in this scene. Yeah. Like, 
It was like the director thought, like, have, like, oh, we haven't seen all of Amy Adams' backside yet. <laughs> Let's just get this one. This yeah. one just for fun. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a weird transition too, because it 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 cross dissolves from a uh, like city burning alley shrapnel. with burning shrapnel in uh, uh, Pakistan or Afghanistan. That was in Afghanistan. That, okay, that one was in Afghanistan, and then yeah, her her big healed legs just kind of like cross dissolve over that. The only cross dissolve that I can remember, or the only fade I can't because I can't like no other are sticking in my mind. Yeah, but like yeah, all of a sudden there were these gigantic heels walking in this alleyway with shrapnel, and then you realize what was happening. <laughs> So is there anything to pull from that? We're walking on the... Oh, we're str- I mean... Are we strutting over the destruction? We're dancing over the... the these Russian <laughs> corpses? These burning Russian cor- I, I don't... I don't think so. I think we're just gonna... We're probably reading a little yeah. into it. Um, all right, we're jumping a little... Let's do a we, very we quick summary. Had, yeah. We, we kind of jumped around. We kind of spoiler that. <laughs> we did. Some Russians die. Some, and I do really want to talk about that scene, because there's a lot of uh-huh. That's questions I have. <laughs> but before we do that, uh, so yeah, he's this congressman. He's kind of a, a fun, charming dude. Uh, and... We never quit really landed on why Julia Roberts, of all people, she's this rich Texan who's really into God. Uh, yeah. He shows up and, and like, they have a, a sort of a sordid romantic affair uh, history. But she's really motivated to help the people of Afghanistan. It's very weird. And, like, I, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm glad she's all for that. But I don't really remember what her motivation was. It's very suspicious. In fact, like, when we first meet Julia Roberts, so... Basically inspired only by this these news stories, um, Tom Hanks as Charlie Wilson doubles this paltry budget that they had for like trying to help the Afghanis. It's from five million to ten million, and this draws a phone call from Julia Roberts who mm-hmm. says, "Hey, come see this movie." Come to this party that I got him thrown in Texas. So he goes. So was she convinced by the movie? Is that I, what we're I, to I don't know if that was it or if like she commissioned the movie maybe. But for some reason, she... She has a vested interest in Pakistan. Yeah, she's, like, good friends with the Pakistani president, it seems. And then, as a result, is like, boy, Afghanistan's really being a pain in Pakistan's ass. Like, you guys, they need more money. Like, go visit them. And so she ships... She basically ships Charlie Wilson to Pakistan and says, you're meeting with the president tomorrow. I guess you can do that when you're rich. You can order around your congressman. Yeah, he just... And he was like... All right, I guess I will. Yeah, and at that point, Charlie Wilson's just kind of like cheesing around. He didn't really have... He was he was basically stacking his deck, but he had no agenda at that point. True, yeah. It seemed like he was... Because he was, he was like, oh, put me on that thing. I want to have a favor to pull in, or I want to have free yeah. tickets to go to this stupid museum or whatever. Yeah, he's really in it for himself in the beginning. He's very, like, he... And even with the accent, because we get a Hanksent in this one, he's, uh, uh, his his southern Texas drawl. Yeah, it, was, um, it reminded me actually of Kevin Spacey, also playing a statesman. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say, he's he's sort of like the more benevolent uh, Frank Underwood. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> he definitely, because even though he's pretty selfish at first, it doesn't seem like he's really grabbing for power. He doesn't seem to have any presidential ambitions or anything. No. He seems very content being... A representative. He's got all the power he wants, basically. Yeah. Which is a sizable amount of power. Yeah. But, I mean, he just sort of seems to be happy, and I don't blame him being a very powerful man in Washington who gets to have sex with all of these amazingly beautiful <laughs> women. 
That's that seems to be his modus operandi. That, yeah, that's all he wants to do. He's he's pretty much a bachelor through the entire movie. Uh, maybe it's implied that he gets together with uh, Julia Roberts' character at the end, but it's not very clear. I, I, she's in bed with another man during that weird ten year montage. <laughs> that's really weird. <laughs> if I had to, if I had to guess, I think that was just written in by Sorkin to uh, like tie together like a romantic. Be like, no, look, he's settling down. Yeah. And that in real life, Charlie Wilson never settled down. He was going 100 miles an hour from the day he turned 14 till the day he died, I bet. Uh, and that is true, because we did research beforehand. That, uh-huh. is, that is maybe not true. I, I have no idea if Charlie <laughs> Wilson was a bachelor for their, his entire life. Um, so, yeah, so Julie Roberts, vested interest, he goes to meet with the presidents over there and basically takes on this mission and kind of teams up with CIA operative the uh, yes. Gust Gust Avocado, Avocado. <laughs> the uh, best name I've ever heard played by uh, the wonderful Philip Seymour Hoffman may rest in peace indeed uh, and yeah, I got the feeling that Gust Avocado was just a made up name that he took on when he joined. That makes sense. The CIA. Considering how much bullshit he spewed in other scenes. I'll tell you, Gust Avocado, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, okay, so Tom Hanks is a, as Charlie Wilson is a very, he's a wheeler and a dealer and a fast talking guy. Mm-hmm. Gust Avocado had to have been Aaron Sorkin just. Letting himself go, he's just like, this is exactly the person I want to write everything for because Gus Avocado has an answer for everything. Mm-hmm. He's just sort of smugly smart about everything. He's got the best insults in the entire movie, and there's a lot of good witty one-liners. Yeah, and he, but he, and he delivers a lot of them. Yeah, and he's just sort of this. He works for this. Basically, his character. He works for the CIA. He's frustrated with the CIA that they're an inefficient bureaucracy. Uh, and that he's not able to do as much as he wants. So Charlie Wilson comes back from Pakistan inspired and calls for somebody at the CIA, like somebody high up. Nobody high up responds. Philip Seymour Hoffman does. Yeah. And uh, just saying that whole, he's kind of the, you're right, he's kind of the perfect Sorkin power fantasy character because he's super talented, Uh he's super snarky, but no one respects him, yep. and he can't get a date. Yeah, it's exactly what Sorkin sees himself to be. <laughs> if if Sorkin wrote, worked for the CIA, that's he then, would be Gus yes. Avocado. He thinks he would be Gus Avocado. <laughs> In fact, I would. Oh, but Gus Avocado is probably based on a real person. If this wasn't based on a real life story, I would bet money that Aaron Sorkin's Tinder name is Gus Avocado, <laughs> yes. and that he goes on dates with sunglasses. And says that he's works for the CIA. Well, this is two thousand seven, so it certainly is an aim screen name. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, his his America Online handle. <laughs> uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, Gust Avocado and Tom Hanks's Charlie Wilson uh, kind of become a this tag team alongside the the help of his staff, the the jailbait, and yep. uh, Julia Roberts, and pull together all these resources to covertly fight the Russians in Afghanistan, and it, they, they pull it off. Yeah, this sort of begins most of the rest of the movie. Like, when he meets Gust, we finally establish, like, a goal for Charlie. Yeah. Which is, like, a concrete goal, which is, like, we need X amount of dollars so that we can do this so that the Afghanis can beat the Russians. I feel like it's it's kind of innate to political movies that there's a little bit of middling and ambling about with... With a defined goal, true. It's so much bureaucracy, yeah. but it, it, by the time Gust finally came in, they had that 
when we got those two guys in the same room. Great scene. Yeah, really so, an amazing, fun Sorkin at his finest scene of just two fast-talking... Um, Super smart, witty dudes. Yeah, just having at it um, against each other. And but like, like and developing respect. Yeah, and total farce because it's like doors coming out. It's like a fucking Frasier episode yeah. <laughs> with uh, Amy Adams and the jailbait coming in to with one thing and then he's going out. Oh, that's the other thing is that uh, Charlie Wilson. It's kind of thrown away at the end, but like was being investigated for cocaine use and maybe enlisting the services of hookers. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he just sort of shakes those accusations. That sort of... Yeah, it doesn't really have a lot of consequence. Yeah, it's uh, just like, oh, he's under investigation. And then, like, that kind of... Maybe some of his uh, Muslim counterparts that he's trying to work with, that's supposed to add some tension between them. But, like, they're fighting a war. They'll take whatever help they can get. Yeah, it, it was weird. And, and maybe it's a it's a whole, this is how it happened in, real, in the yeah. reality, so that's why it dies down in the movie. But... I don't know, re- reality is not necessarily defense for fiction, or even a true, based on a true story fiction. True. So it seems like there should have been some concept, because for a minute when I thought that, because like we were pointing out, like, oh, it's the happy moment where before everything falls yeah. to shit, I thought when that was the, when that was the good news, that was going to be the other shoe drops, because, oh no, we needed that distraction so people wouldn't see, they literally yeah. said that in a uh-huh. previous scene. That's what I thought too, I thought... Didn't go anywhere. Structurally... They're celebrating in a bar, foolishly. Like it looks like they're being a bunch of like juvenile, like whatever. It's like we did it. We got the funding we need. Like we're, we're like things are falling into place, and it's <laughs> foolish. Like relatively, like they're they deservedly so needed to celebrate. But in a movie, like, yeah, in a they're like if a, they were self-aware, they were in a movie. They're in an empty bar, <laughs> like dancing by themselves and like having drink. It's it's a little comical. It's mostly like the jailbait. <laughs> Yeah, it does seem weird that like none of these people have outside relationships. Like none of the jailbait girls brought their boyfriends yeah, no or whatever. Has any commitments? <laughs> it was like, yeah, we can go. Julia Roberts, who's like the second most wealthy person in Texas, just hangs out yeah. in Washington D.C. <laughs> but the thing is, like, fans of structure heads out there, you would have recognized this as being like false victory. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like Elvis said. The shoe's about to drop, and some bad's gonna happen. Like now, they're gonna have to overcome something even harder. But, and, and it's, it's, we're preparing for it because he goes and like, he picks up a phone, we think it's gonna be bad news, like, oh, maybe he's gonna be indicted. No, he's like, he's totally fine. He's totally fine. And they're like, even more reason to celebrate. <laughs> and then, and basically then, from then on, it's just like, it's just, then it's like the 10 year montage yeah, of they, succeeding but distance. They have to go to a bunch of countries, they go to Jerusalem, they go to Egypt, there are all these sort of complex. Pretty tiresome negotiations, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's like a belly dancing scene just to keep an audience interested. That was that was after the uh, the celebration phone call. I thought that was before. I think it was before. You're right. I'm just saying that like much of the middle of this movie is pretty tiresome to sort of negotiate. It's very bureaucratic. So yeah. it's again appropriate for the subject matter, and again I'm sure very very close to the reality. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it, and it's during those periods of the movie where it's easy to. I know, it, it lacks that propulsion that you get from a well-defined goal, and that's why I love the scene where finally we get uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Hanks yeah. working together on the same page. Yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like I keep jumping around. That, that's all right. Uh, this movie kind of jumps around, um, always in chronological order outside of the framing device. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, is the fall? Are they playing with structure here? Because again, these are two 
pretty well-regarded storytellers. Yes. Are they playing with structure in that we're supposed to think that, oh, here comes the bad mm. thing. It doesn't come, but because the real bad sour note is the what the movie ends on. Because it's such a hard ending. Yeah. Like, like, he wins his victory, but it's a hollow victory. True. Pacing is a little... Pacing, I still, I feel like there is some pacing problems, yeah. but that might be an intentional. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's very interesting to, I think, I, to be honest, I don't think that was, like, Sorkin's intention was to, like, oh, I'm going to deliver this. I think he did think I'm going to deliver this punch at the end. I don't think, I bet, I bet the structural problems bugged Sorkin with this. I bet he was handed this story and was just like, oh, okay, like, there's not really any sort of doubling down in the middle of it. Like, there's, there's not, there's no false victory. It's like they start on a path, and Charlie Wilson is such a competent negotiator that they just, there's never any doubt that they're going to succeed. And that's also accomplished by the framing device. So, actually, maybe that's what the framing device is is it's just like throwing in the towel with structure of just being (laughs) like, listen, you're never going to doubt that this guy's going to accomplish it. So, we're just going to show you up front. Which is odd because when we meet him, he's kind of a bumbling, uh, he's a sweet talker, but he's so. I guess just content with where he is. He doesn't seem like he has the wherewithal to rise up and pull this off. I mean, there's like, towards the end of the movie, there's those other two politicians who are like, who is just this one congressman who's Mm -hmm. doing this? Why, how is he pulling this off? Are we supposed to be left asking the same question? Like, I I know he's Tom Hanks, so of course he's gonna get the job done. Yeah, and the movie being called Charlie Wilson's War, I mean, I think it was just like telling this untold story about this guy who really did do this amazing thing that like imagine something like this happening today like a house of representatives wow. guy like getting um covert maybe actually maybe it would be easier to get covert support across the aisle but i mean just the idea of congress accomplishing anything in 2016 is so out of the realm of possibility <laughs> that seeing this movie where they're actually like wheeling and dealing and, and doing things was very refreshing yeah, I guess in that in that light, it's a very um, it's a very uh, positive movie, very uplifting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a movie maybe better suited for today's audiences yeah. <laughs> than than two thousand sevens. Um, now it's interesting because obviously he's playing a er, a character based on a real person here, and he's done that a couple other times. Uh, yeah. He's uh, we have to compare. Uh, he's been Walt Disney and Saving yes. Mr. Banks. Uh, a movie Captain, I really liked. Captain Phillips. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I believe uh, James B. Donovan, who he plays in Bridges Spies, is also based on uh, a real person. Oh, really? Um, is the guy from Extremely Loud, Incredibly Close, real? I have not done that one yet, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it either. Couldn't tell you. And of course, he plays himself in the Simpsons movie. Oh, catch me if you can. Hand Carl Henry. Oh, well, Henry was like an amalgamation of a couple people. Oh, was he? But uh, that's but still character. One of my favorite movies of all time. It's an amazing movie. I'm one of the. I would say one of the best Tom Hanks movies. Uh, Forrest Gump was not a real person. <laughs> was not a real person. Um, but uh, so that's, that's. I mean, yeah, it's going to be it. Uh, so so we have Walt Disney, we have uh, Captain Phillips, Captain Phillips, and we'll put Hanready out because he isn't a, a single person. Uh, let's go with let's just go with Walt Disney and Captain Phillips compared to Charlie Wilson here because mm-hmm. those are obvious like these are movies about these real people. Yes. Uh, and make just kind of compare these these three. Which one have you seen all three? I haven't seen Captain Phillips. Uh, he's great, man. I tend not to and this is going to sound silly. I tend not to see movies that take place at sea. 
I just don't really. I don't spend any time at sea, so I don't sympathize with it. Fascinating. Yeah. Any any. I guess that's a, you perfectly explained it already. Actually. Like I've um, never seen Jaws. I just don't. You've really... never seen Jaws. Yeah. Wow. Another thing about me is I haven't seen very many movies at all. Although Tom Hanks, I have seen. Like, relatively, I think I've seen a lot of Tom Hanks movies. It's, ac- it's actually interesting, because as we've noted on this podcast over time, there's a lot of water-based Tom Hanks movies. Yes, yeah, Splash. Splash. Haven't uh, seen it, though. <laughs> so. so Okay, so Castaway. Castaway, I have seen Castaway. Okay, you've seen Castaway. Um, but I'd still say that most of that movie's Joe vs. Volcano. It's, it's... I'm saying, I'm giving it my own excuse for why I haven't right, seen right, it. Right, 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 okay. So you, you really, boat movie's not your thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Captain Phillips for for what it is, I thought it was pretty good. Um, this it, it's certainly a much more tense, audience friendly movie than okay. this one is. Uh, and and then of course we have uh, his portrayals Walt Disney, and I think all three are really strong performances. Which again is a, sort of a silly thing to say on a podcast where we're celebrating how great of a performer <laughs> he is. A single actor. So I'm not going to be the most unbiased person, but. I think he's really good at bringing these characters to life and kind of these pseudo biopics. I agree. I, he really does. Like, I love Saving Mr. Banks. Um, I think it really wasn't celebrated as much as I thought it should have been. I think this town has a weird relationship with Walt Disney. For sure. That sort of kept it down. I think when we did do that episode, and I, w- I was kind of middling on the, on the movie. I think I, li- I liked the movie, but uh, and he, he was great in it. I, I was left more with, uh, we were left more with the whole, was it, because it came from Disney, was it so in his favor to make mm. her look so unfavorable? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, and I don't know the actual story. That's basically my only reference. Yeah. I did, you're right, like, when I think about that movie, the thing I like the most is Tom Hanks' portrayal as Walt Disney, because he just is... A successful Walt Disney, and that's the Walt Disney we I think we want. Yeah, absolutely. So and I, so in that sense, I suppose this is probably the Charlie Wilson we want. Yes. He's this. <laughs> he kind of gave life to the uh, the kind of the the Texas judge character, mm. uh, but yeah. he made him a three dimensional character. Yeah, and uh, he's a good guy. He's kind of a sleaze. but in the best way possible. Because like if this was a real dude, you'd be like, yeah, he's hiring. Like they, they they literally have one of the the his assistants say something like you can teach him to type but you can't teach him to grow tits. Yeah. Like in real life <laughs> that'd be so offensive. Yeah, but that's what he told his secretaries about. But in the movie it's charming. He's right? he's adorable. Yeah, and so, it was a different time kind of, I mean it was the 80s so like Yeah. But he really did like I wrote this down at one point and I'm not an actor. By I don't call myself an actor, but he seemed like it was like a dream role. It would have been a dream role for me. I'm so attracted to these like, I, this ideal of this fast talking know it allness that's kind of abrasive to people. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's got that that house, yeah, uh, like house, archetype. Uh, Sherlock Holmes. Actually, it's like super big right now. Yeah, yeah. So maybe Charlie is. Wilson was like the the. Uh, the initiation again. Yeah. Sorkin uh, probably helps too. Yeah, just it was a so Sorkin. We could talk for days about that. <laughs> but have we? Uh, I don't know. Have we sort of gotten? There were a couple points of this movie that I thought were very interesting. One was that the way they had to arm the Afghani's, mm-hmm. I thought was very interesting. Something I didn't know about that because it was the Cold War. They didn't want it to become a real war, like a. a 
not a hot war, but a public war. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so it had to be... They had to arm these Afghanis with Soviet weapons. And so they had to go to countries that had stockpiles of Soviet weapons, like Israeli and Egypt, and... To provide the weapons for buy them. those weapons and give them to Afghanis. Because, uh, obviously, if they had given them American weapons, then yeah. evidence would have been like, oh, you're helping them kill us. It's a real war. Now we're fighting you. Yeah. Which is uh, maybe just showing my ignorance, but, like, you know, I've grown up in the American culture forever, and that was an element of the Cold War I never really actually realized. So. Yeah, I, I didn't hadn't either. That's why I thought it was probably the most fascinating part about these negotiations. For sure. Um which probably isn't very interesting for podcast listeners <laughs> to, to hear, but... Uh, no, but uh, uh, the movie certainly has a value in, like, actually teaching you some history. And, yeah. Uh, Otherwise, it's, like, a lot of, like, complex negotiations with countries that are... I don't know. It just seemed... Like, a lot of the middle, like, I understood it, and, like, it was just, like, slogging through these, like, talking to different countries. Yeah, the, the one thing for me and my... And, and my perhaps too immature brain was I there's a lot every character in this movie again very Sorkin is a big talker mm -hmm. they're not all big talkers in the same way but they have dense speeches yes they do and sometimes especially with that southern drawl uh, it takes a little bit it took me a while I was like trying to discern wait what was he saying what what are we driving at and uh, for that I was uh, a little not on top of the game in a couple scenes. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things where you just sort of... You that, have to read people's faces and see if mm -hmm. they're smiling. And you'd be like, okay, things went well for him in this scene. Because <laughs> you don't really know. Thank you, music, for helping us, yeah. the pedestrians of <laughs> film, cross the street. Uh, no, and I think that's actually a great uh, reason to leap into casting. Specifically because you put in great actors. Mm -hmm. And if they're saying these dense and, like... Uh, crazy of uh, speeches and getting this political, you can read, like you're saying, you can read the actor's face so you know what's going on, even if you have no idea what the jargon is. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Um, so that's why, I mean, the whole cast is just star-studded. Oh, you know? yeah. Julie Roberts, Tom Hanks, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams, uh, the other people. Those are basically, those are like most of Those like are the, the four main characters, I would say. Um, uh, yeah, and... Um, some minor characters, uh, interesting, and the scene that we touched on that, and talking about dialogue made me think of it. One of the, probably outside of Aaron Sorkin's element dialogue pieces is these Russian helicopter pilots. Yeah. Who are uh, basically, so in the movie, I mean, there are all these negotiations. Eventually they do get weapons to these Afghanis and they succeed in starting to shoot down these helicopter pilots. But... <laughs> Before they do, we, like, for the first time, see some Russians. And, like, they're flying these helicopters, and basically they're just like, yeah, okay, well, there are no planes around because these are stupid Afghanis. Like, we get to just shoot as many of these people as we want. And they're not even focusing on shooting up this village. Yeah, they're talking about, like, their relationship problems yeah. and how he's cheating on their, his girlfriend or something. It's like, we're supposed to, like, see how... The thing is, we're supposed to see how confident these Russians are, that they're not going to, to fall. And also, we're supposed to, like, hate these Russians. It was the weirdest choice. And actually, like, er, like earlier, like, the first third of the movie, right, when he before he goes to the refugee camp, yeah. we get this weird treated scene where we see, like, 
by today's standards, uh, an asylum, yeah. an asylum <laughs> picture quality uh, special effects of uh, helicopters flying around, shooting laser beams yeah, that are like, blowing up over real footage. It's like the original King Kong, basically, like level of effect. No, the original King Kong looks way better. <laughs> the, it looks like uh, like Sharknado. Yes, that's a great. That's a great. Um, and and it's just like it, what I thought was uh, bad about that scene. Obviously, besides the effects, was we didn't need it because w- by the time we see the damage of the of the children, especially yeah. in the refugee, it's like we didn't need to see the helicopters mm-hmm. shoot. It, in fact, it was detrimental because it was just. I'm pretty sure they inserted it in there, and I thought this at the time as I was watching it. As just another sort of like wake up to the audience of like that's you just slogged through these negotiations with Charlie Wilson that Aaron Sorkin wrote. Let's show you some guns and some explosions, and because we're about to dive back into just some people talking over drinks. That's not. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Um, I could also see it as like let's put this in for the trailer. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of like just the tiniest version of exactly what you just said too. Um, but yeah, to go back to the oddest scene in the movie is <laughs> so the next time we see these very bad CGI helicopter, attack helicopters, they're showing up, they're super cocky, and it's weird because we're not, we haven't at all empathized or humanized any of the Russians. Yeah. We've never seen a Russian character, uh-huh. we just, they're the enemy, and like, okay, sometimes when you're making a war movie, that's just the way it is. Yeah. They're the enemy, like when we do World War II Movies when Tom, well, Tom Hanks goes up against the Germans. Allies. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, they're they're the Germans. Yep. They're the Nazis. The bad. Well, they're Nazis. Yeah. So uh-huh. of course they're bad guys. But uh, so the Russians. It's cold word. No, no sign of them whatsoever. But then I was like, okay, we're about to kill them. Yeah. Let's humanize them uh-huh. by seeing their faces and hearing them talk. And the thing is, and then <laughs> we're completely ripping them of any nuance. Right. By making them just like these weird standoffish jerks. Yeah, they're just the big thing is that they don't care that they're killing all these people, and then like to like try to like rub salt in the wound. I think or not to rub salt, but like to amplify that we don't care about these people. They're like cheating on their girlfriends. Is basically the thing. What? And here's the thing, we've spent the whole first half of this movie seeing Charlie Wilson be this complete womanizer. That's the hero of this movie. Is this guy who sleeps with yeah. all these women and has. Jail bait as his like <laughs> his employees, and suddenly we're supposed to be like, oh, these Russians, they they sleep around, they deserve to die. Are we, what are we supposed to take away from this scene? This is my, I don't want to say my favorite scene because it's not a good scene, but it's so fascinating. It's really bizarre because like, I don't know, like we don't. It's not like we need comic relief. Because we're, we're literally just it's, killing some people. It's and also like, the weirdest point in a movie to have comic relief. Mm-hmm. When we're, we're, we're A, victorious, but it's also about some pretty hardcore death. Yeah. And warfare. Why are we getting this bizarre... The only thing I can think of... thing. Is that we need to... That they needed to show how absolutely confident Russia was. That they were, like, invincible. But we hadn't, like, talked about that a ton, but, like, that's the only thing that this scene really does to serve is that, like, these Russian helicopter pilots are so confident they're just going to lay waste to this village that they can talk about anything and just yeah. not focus on it. And suddenly, whoop, they blow up three... these All three <laughs> helicopters get blown up first try. 
And suddenly, oh, Russia's like, oh no, maybe the tides are changing. And then we go into a montage of actual historical footage of, yes, the tides change. What did you make of the his, the actual historical footage mixed with the CGI helicopters? It's really weird, because like, I was just like, boy, there's like actually a Russian pilot dying in this... Yeah, because you saw some real helicopters getting blown up. Uh-huh. And it, also, it almost felt like for most of them, though, they replaced them with fake helicopters. And I wonder if that's the reason they mm. did it. Because I think there was one or two real ones, but a lot of them look like we just put Training. the filter over our shitty helicopter. Because yeah. <laughs> you could tell by the explosion, it's just like this is a little too bright or something. Yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, that's, so that's about, like, like I said, there's no really, like, denouement. It's just like, okay, Charlie Wilson eventually gets a goal, teams up with um, Gus Avocado. <laughs> They, with the help of this millionaire, Julia Roberts, uh, they basically travel around the Middle East, get the support they need, get the congressional support they need, eventually. Like, that even wasn't that big of a challenge. Like, it none was of these, very easy for these politicians. None of these hurdles seemed to ever be that big of a deal. And remember when the whole, like, the the dude... The, the 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 millionaire dude the really the guy who really supplies the money the chairman of the committee uh, yeah that guy yeah the chairman of name. the of the subcommittee that was actually going to appropriate money yeah he 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 comes over uh, he's going to make a deal with uh, Charlie Wilson but his whole thing was that uh, Charlie Wilson had to get out this girl who had been raped yeah. and falsely imprisoned that was completely dropped it was thrown away that was like oh a blind woman who was raped was in prison and if you could get her released then he would sub- and then he gets her released they take a trip they don't do to- they get her released though I thought I thought that's like the first scene was her like kind of walking and then like just among people instead of being imprisoned and murdered Okay, well, I mean, I figured it like, what didn't end in a very bad note, but yeah. I thought they just completely skipped it. Um, okay. There was a blind woman. Okay, so she, she definitely got out then, but like, there was no scene about it. There was no it's, consequences. Yeah. Because he makes this big stink, like, uh, the president's not going to like that. Yeah. And all these stakes are just like, it's like, oh, here's a, the, a mid-sized hurdle, and Charles is like, okay, I'll take care of it, and he immediately does. It's none of these... I never, I mean, like I said, I've said this a couple times, though, but you're never convinced that Charlie's not going to do it. That's true. And, and again, I, I, okay, as, we're, as we're kind of wrapping up to what this whole thing is about, mm-hmm. what we can take away, I do want to say, because, again, on behalf of, let's assume the filmmakers have made these decisions um, purposefully. Is there a reason? What could they be saying with, with this uh, idea that, this really is that easy for Charlie. Mm. I mean, granted, this is apparently a, a, a true a, a true to life story too. Are they just being explicit with the with the facts, mm-hmm. or are they doing something like this is how easy it should be to help people? Yeah, I don't because it definitely felt inconvenient, right? Like it w- he was constantly being inconvenienced by these things to do, but it never seemed impossible. Yeah, it was like oh, I've got to like. So we live in Los Angeles. It's like if you like if your roommate needs you to pick him up from LAX, you're just like, oh, okay, like I can do it, and like it's not that big of a deal. You yeah. go pick him up, and then you're done. That seemed to be like the extent of how difficult any of these tasks. Every were single, yeah, nothing. What was the hardest thing he had to do in this movie? And I feel like the the reason why they had to do it was because they had to get so much story in. 
and that they're just like, oh, we could play this up, but like, yeah, we can't. no. Like, and we it didn't really happen in it. real life, maybe. Yeah. He never really comes against the challenge that actually challenges him, which kind of mm-hmm. removes the drama for me. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of really fun talk, but... Like, he certainly doesn't change very much by the end of the movie. I th- yeah, because he, I mean, I the think The change he, happens at the beginning when he suddenly just has a cause, which is these Afghani people. I guess there is a bit of a change. It's a bit, it's a, okay. it's a slight change. We've been putting off for um, him, I think. Yeah, but, but, but I think, I think the, the change is more supposed to be perhaps in us. Um, I think because of the, the use of the framing device and it, it ends so didactically on that quote. Mm-hmm. Um, where Charlie Wilson himself, uh, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it's basically, we helped out all the people, we did this thing we were supposed to do, but we fucked up the landing or the yeah, ending. Yeah, we fucked up the ending. And this is in reference to, they're having this celebration, um, with, what was it? Was it just a Christmas celebration? No, he, re- he was re-elected. Oh, re-election celebration. I, or maybe it was Christmas. Maybe it was both. Know. It was some celebration, and it's, um... Charlie Wilson and Gust Avocado are having a moment out on the balcony, and Charlie's like, okay, I did it. Like, I got all this funding for this war. That- yeah, they, oh, got no, a- they were celebrating... The billion dollars. They were right? celebrating the Russians signing... Oh. Of leaving Afghanistan. Right, so right. They, like, the, the end of the war. Yeah, it was mission accomplished, basically. Yeah, so that makes sense. You'd celebrate. So everybody was celebrating, except for Gust Avocado, who kept trying to bring up this Zen Master parable. Um, he tried to bring it up when he first met him in the office, mm-hmm. and then he says it again, which is basically how saying that, like, oh, there are unintentional, there are unintentioned consequences to everything, and, um, and that, like, it's never over. Yeah, everything has a consequence. It could end up being good or bad, or it can yeah. t- continue to change. Things that people think are good are often bad, was basically the point of it. Yeah, and his, his whole goal at that point was, like, we need to continue helping these people, yeah. because... As real life has demonstrated, uh-huh. uh, without proper structure and guidance, they turned kind of into a right enemy. Well, there's like a lot of what we do, and this Charlie Wilson makes a little bit of a point of this: is that we go in, we exterminate all the bad, and then we leave a vacuum because mm-hmm. we pull out. We're like, okay, that the bad's gone. Let's get out of there. Yeah. And this vacuum is usually the people who seize power in this vacuum are not the people that are like looking to build a country the correct way. Yeah, they're looking for. They're looking to. They're looking out for number one. Yeah, and that's what happened in Afghanistan. That's how the Taliban came to power, and how we were end end up in a like real war in Afghanistan, yeah, like a covert war, and so that that's the big. That seemed to be the big message. It's certainly a big message, and it's 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 very political in the sense that it's definitely saying, it's the kind of movie that's it's saying in we should it's in favor of us or the United States occupying territories. Mm, yeah, which uh, well, and I don't know if it was occupied. At the end, Charlie Wilson's trying to just get after raising five hundred million school, dollars yeah. for war in Afghanistan. He's trying to then. Raise one million dollars to help build schools in Afghanistan, which should be so easy, but which, no one cares about that cost. Yeah, he can't get that money because nobody cares about it. Uh, you know, education isn't flashy. It's not important. It doesn't affect life. Obviously, it does. Yeah, but it's not like getting uh, raising money for a war. Right. Trying um, to explain 
why you paid a million dollars to build a school in Pakistan or in Afghanistan. Sorry, that's actually a mistake that the people in the movie made. That's what yes. I did, is that somebody calls it a school in Pakistan and Charlie Wilson corrects him to Afghanistan. Afghanistan. But why would you spend a million dollars for a school in Afghanistan when you could spend a million dollars on schools at home and that's how you get elected? Right? Yeah. People don't care about schools in Afghanistan. It's a downer ending. <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely a downer ending. You see sort of... But then we flash back to complete the frame and we see Charlie getting his medal... But yeah, he's just like... But even by that point, it's still a downer end. Yeah, he knows. He's like, you know what? Like, I think he's a little... It's a little... Aaron Sorkin had the benefit of foresight because it's a little prescient, I think. I bet they didn't have quite this uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tom Hanks talk out in the balcony. I don't think he immediately after Afghanistan like won the war. I don't think he was immediately like, yeah, but we're going to screw up this next thing. <laughs> I don't. I think that's probably a dramatization. Well, no, I, I'm sure that's that's true, but um, it, it's not as if it's probably the first time something like that has happened. So, uh, true. Yeah, I'm um, sure a character could be informed by that. That's sort of what a lot of the problems after World War One were. Although, e- even if that is completely made up for the movie, that's only more uh, evident to the fact that the movie is making this point. Like, this is going to happen mm-hmm. because we're not. I guess, yeah, maybe occupying early, when I said earlier, wasn't, isn't the intention. It's just the continued support that's yeah. not military. Yeah, you got to rebuild. And that's what we did. I mean, I think the best example of when we did it was, well, I guess you can argue this, but in the Civil War, right? It was after, after the Civil War, after the North won the Civil War, there was that whole period of Reconstruction. Which was, right. Okay, we're sorry we had to go through that. Let's build you back up so that we're... Because we're a united country again. Exactly. It's easier to do when it's your own country, I guess. But mm-hmm. And it's easier to sell, of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Reconstruction is such a... It's bitch, really. Yeah, it's, it's the hard work. Like It's pretty easy blowing things up, as Michael Bay can tell you. But yeah. delivering... I don't know, a message is harder, as Michael Bay can tell you. One last thing on the Zen master... Uh, thing where you, you pointed out how basically you can have unintended consequences mm-hmm. uh, to actions. Do you think it's odd that that's kind of the summation, the the focal point of the end of the movie, when there's not really any consequences for any of Charlie's actions? He has he faces no real. Right. <laughs> there are no real short term consequences. For we do, any... we don't see the Zen Master structure happen within the movie itself. True. Outside it's, of the big macro version of that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if, like, he... I mean, the only... I, I guess the only time I can think of where this did happen, this Zen master of unintended consequences, was, okay, he's having a good time partying in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. But then, uh-oh, bad thing starts to happen, which is like, oh, he's about to be indicted, maybe. But yeah. then that's actually a good thing because it's distracting the press away from right. this military but allocation. That, that never became a bad thing, though. It never became a bad thing. And so we got one of those loops. Yeah, right? yeah. Instead of just, like, good thing happens, which is actually bad. We had a good thing that went bad that went good. Because that seems like a really f- kind of a neat, creative way to structure your film. Right. Especially if that becomes your point at the end, and then you kind of look back and like, oh, yeah, because... You generally know a bad thing happens in a movie, and mm-hmm. I guess it could become a good thing, but that doesn't seem super standard. Yeah. Uh, but then we didn't really get enough of that to feel like that was a substantial choice. True. 
And you know who never learns a like Charlie Wilson barely learns a lesson, right? And Julia Roberts kind of learns a lesson, which her lesson is just like pull God out of it a little bit. <laughs> Except and for no, I, 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 she needed God yeah, she to get need... the the dude. But you know Philip Seymour Hoffman as. Gus Avocado <laughs> learns absolutely nothing other than the fact that, like, yeah, I'm right. Yeah, he learns nothing, but he is right to be super Sorkin about He's it. He's just correct about everything. He's exactly Aaron Sorkin. He's yeah. like, I'm God's gift to this movie. Uh, he is fantastic uh, in the movie. But, yeah, as a whole, what do you think? What do you? What's the takeaway? Do you like this movie? What, Ooh, what are we um, supposed to... What are you supposed to get out of it, outside of the fact that it's kind of our fault that <laughs> I'm we, sh- we should have supported some people? I'm glad I watched the movie, because mm-hmm. it had been a weird sticking point, as we said in the beginning. I'd, I would never watch this movie again. There's nothing in it for me to, like, oh, I want to see that again. It's there, I mean, it's interesting wheeling and dealing, but unless I was invited onto a podcast which was all of <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman's movies. You might not you might not go to that. I don't know if I would watch Charlie Wilson's War again. It's like it's it's an interesting piece of American history as a story for like a movie. It doesn't there's not enough to like keep you like wanting to watch again. There's not a lot of story there as opposed to there, there's there's a good bunch of character mm-hmm. which is the best part of the movie. Yes. Answer. There's a lot of characters, not a lot of story. And there's a lot of, I don't want to say facts or information, uh, but there's a lot of plot. Yes, there's a lot of plot, plot, not a lot of story. You realize how hard it is to make a deal, which, like I said, I, I, I understand because nobody's getting anything done these days. Yeah. So in that sense, it's like a fantasy picture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, so I, I think I'm agree with you. I, it's probably not a movie I would revisit. I think it is well made. Mm-hmm. I think it's doing the thing it wants to do yeah. for the most part. It made money. It, it made money, so it certainly spoke to an audience then. I think it could still speak to an audience now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and f- for a couple of reasons alone, it's worthy. Uh, just seeing some great work from both... Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Hanks, and to oh, get yeah. to see them work together. Absolutely. Uh, which I believe this is their only time they do that. That's maybe the only thing I would see is that scene where they first interact. That scene again. I would I would watch on loop. That's really um, good. I would also, uh, we, as we mentioned while watching the film, uh, I want a gif of the shot with Amy <laughs> Adams alone at the party just hanging out with the dogs. Yeah, just drinking by herself <laughs> on a staircase. And it's really interesting to see him play his character. I'm really having a hard time actually vocalizing what I feel about it. Like, I don't care to see the movie again, but Tom Hanks really was cool in it. Well, no, no, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the, the, the gift of Tom Hanks is he's pretty much good in everything. Mm-hmm. And when you have, uh, I, not that I think this is an underwritten role, but he can come in and make, into an underwritten role and make it work. Yep. Uh, this was a well-written role. It just, I think... By having Tom Hanks in there, you gave it the gravitas to be like, oh, I'm going to watch this thing because mm. I'm attached to him especially uh, as this character, even though there's just kind of a lot of good point stuff going on. Uh, not but good, but maybe maybe just like a kind of a middling movie. Yeah. If you want a, a better Tom Hanks Cold War movie, <laughs> see Bridge of Spies. I got to see that one too. It's great. I, I want to see it. It's yeah. uh, no boats, so it's no totally boats. <laughs> uh, Gary. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Elvis. Where can this they find you? Um, oh, man. If you just Google my name, 
Garrett Werner. Uh, my Twitter should pop up, I guess. My Twitter, okay, so my Twitter is just hard to explain on a podcast. It's Great White Hopra, um, <laughs> which is great with an eight, and then white, and then Hopra, which is Oprah with an H. So just Google my name if you did really want to find it. Did you come up with the, the, the Twitter handle before you like ever thought of saying it out loud or oh. having to be on a podcast? Oh, yeah. I came up with the name when my friends made me make a Twitter on a vacation like six years ago. And that I, sounds about right, yeah. I never thought I would tweet more than ten times <laughs> in my life. Uh, well, I I, uh, I admire you for sticking with it. So <laughs> I should have changed it, but now I'm verified and I can't. Oh so shit! I'm stuck. Uh, great white hope. I think you're the first verified guest we've ever had on the show. Oh really? That's huge. That's okay. hot damn. It's a silly, stupid thing. It's a it's one step closer to getting Tom Hanks on though. He's verified. That's true. Is he is he have a Twitter that he's active? He has a Twitter. He he posts a lot of photos of single gloves. Woo! All right, Hanksies. That was Charlie Wilson's War. Uh, big thank you again to Mr. Garrett Werner for being on the show. And uh, he forgot to mention, uh, he has actually just started his own podcast, brand new podcast called Finale Rally, uh, which you can uh, search. It's on SoundCloud. Uh, you can find it. I'm sure he's linked to it on his Twitter, too. And we'll have it in the show notes. Uh, Finale Rally, where um, he, his roommate, and his girlfriend... Uh, they get together and watch the final episode of a television series uh, having that they have never seen before and kind of do a post-mortem, let's figure out what the show was about, what's going on. And I believe they go back and watch the first episode, too. I myself cannot watch it, for I am too neurotic to get into spoiler territory. But I know a lot of you uh, listen to this podcast without watching the movies, and while I have my problems with that... Uh, this might be something you're into because uh, it's uh, pretty funny, and uh, you should check it out. Finale rally, uh, so check that out and uh, get in touch. Uh, email us tomhankspod at gmail.com or give us a tweet at tomhankspod. You can always follow my shit at Elvis Kunish. Uh, we got some videos over at Splot Studios on YouTube or the splotstudios.com. And our next episode uh, comes out on Tuesday, June seventh, which if you haven't been paying attention, we'll be over a year since we've launched the Tom Hanks Giving Podcast. So to celebrate this anniversary of Hanks, this Hanks-aversary, if you will, we will be going all the way back to his very first on-screen appearance with a little indie horror film called He Knows You're Alone. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Tom Hanks is a friend you can turn to when cold winds blow. Cold winds blow. And then you'll know now and forever. A friend in this world. You've got a friend.